0: Brothers and sisters, good morning. Thank you. The past couple weeks uh, as we've been rotating around parishes, I've asked the folks at St. Francis and the folks at St. Mary to do me a favor. And in case the other priests haven't already asked you to do this favor, I'm asking you today, okay? Okay? Whatever I say you have to do. Between the end of Mass today... And next week's Sunday Mass, I need you, I need you to read all of John chapter 6. I need you to read all of John chapter 6. It's only one chapter and one gospel, but it is a doozy. It packs a punch, and it's something that I need you to do, okay? Okay, you've promised. Now, the reason I'm I'm asking folks to read all of John chapter 6 is because That's the chapter that we've been going through these past few weeks, and that we will be going through in the coming weeks. It's a bit unusual for us to go through any of John's Gospel during the course of the year. We get a little bit of John in Lent, and maybe a little bit, you know, in Holy Week. But ultimately, throughout the year, we're supposed to be reading one of either Matthew, Mark, or Luke. We do those on a three-year cycle. This is all the stuff they should have taught you in Catholic school. And don't worry, I'm sure we will now. But we're supposed to be reading one of those every year. Only the shortest of all those three is Mark. And since Mark's gospel is the shortest, they need to add a little bit of filler in the middle so that they can get it out to about the same time as Matthew and Luke. We're in Mark's year right now. So we're reading John's Gospel. Every three years, towards the end of July, beginning of August, we get into John's version of the story. And it's my favorite version. It's one that I hope you acquaint yourselves with because he gives a perspective unlike anyone else's. Now, all that said, the reason I want you to read this chapter is because reading the whole chapter helps remind you that this is all one story. You know, we get it in simple sentences, in like bite-sized chunks, right? Jesus says something like, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And everyone says, that is so holy. And then they leave the church and they never think about it again. And that is a mistake. That is a mistake. We want to be able to take these pronouncements of our Lord and see him in the context of, of who he is and what he's about. It's like, a, it's like each Sunday's reading is an episode in a season, right? And the season is, is the, the gospel that we're reading. And the whole gospel is part of this big old story called the Bible. That's like a series. I'm trying to translate the Bible into Netflix for you right now in case you weren't following me in my analogy. If you want to know what happens between season one and season two, you have to watch the episodes that come first if you want to understand what comes later. So if You and I, who have maybe watched this episode before, we saw it on a rerun on like a USA channel or something, I don't know, that's fine. But if we wanna get to the meat, if we wanna be able to really know why this is important, why do people read this big old book? Why do we like enthrone it on this big podium? Well, we gotta be able to understand what happens before and after. We gotta understand the story, the whole story. So, today what I'm gonna do is, remind you of the story. I'm going to tell it as one bigger story and then leave you one point at the very end, okay? Okay, good. Today, we enter in partway through the longer story of the mission of Jesus. Jesus had a mission. What I mean by that is he came here for a purpose. He didn't come here just to kind of waltz around and here's a little miracle over there, a little miracle over there. Bye, maybe you'll read about me one day. No, He came with something to do, something he must accomplish. And do you remember what that is? There was a cheat sheet at the beginning, I'm going to tell you. We have so many big red books. The very opening prayer of the Mass, we prayed, Almighty ever-living God, whom, taught by the Holy Spirit, we dare to call our Father. The Holy Spirit teaches us, we call God our Father. Bring, we pray, to perfection in our hearts the spirit of adoption as your sons and daughters so that we may merit to enter into the inheritance which you have promised. We were promised an inheritance. We are supposed to be sons and daughters of God. And that is about as heavy a destiny as this book is heavy. We are all of us sons and and daughters of God. And that didn't just happen like God said, ha, there you are. We were created good as sons and daughters, but in sinning, we severed our relationship. We said, I disown you, Father. And God, after trying for thousands of years to remedy the situation, eventually said, if you want something done right, sometimes you have to do it yourself. And so he did. He came down with a mission to be able to re- reunite us to the Father. In his mind, in his heart, always this is what Jesus was aiming at. Every action that he accomplished was working to put us back into the love of God, to bring us into God's family once again. So when Jesus is performing miracles or preaching to a crowd, you know where his mind's at. You know what he's trying to accomplish. What happens in John chapter 6? We've been reading it the last couple weeks. Remember, in this mission, he enters into a time where he sees all this big old crowd of people, right? He sees them, and his heart is moved with pity for them because they're like sheep without a shepherd. So he stays to teach them many things. And as he teaches them, he looks back at his apostles while the sun goes low in the west. And he says, where will we get enough food for them to eat? He said this to test them because he himself already knew what he was going to accomplish. That's a parenthetical statement in John 6, which you will read sometime this week. Hey, then Philip says, well, we have a few loaves and some bread here, but what good are all, what, is, what good is this little food for all of these people in John 6? And Jesus says, have the people recline. And they all sat down, and Jesus said, took the bread they had, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them, 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 gave it to them, over and over again because a miracle of God happened where this bread, which was once small in number, was now multiplied. And what we learned is that 5,000 men and their families had their fill of bread and fish that night which is amazing and we should be amazed at it they were certainly amazed at it so amazed was this crowd that they decided they were going to make Jesus their king do you remember that verse they they ate all the bread and then they decided they were going to make Jesus king which is not a dumb idea if you had, you know, there wasn't like a Wendy's or a Payless or something, and instead you had to toil, knead bread every single day, and, you know, your meager earnings didn't always get you enough flour, enough oil to be able to make that bread, if there was someone who said, guess what, guys, free bread for the rest of your life, you would probably like him, and you would probably want to put him in charge, because he has something to offer, something to make life a little easier. So they want to make Jesus king, but Jesus is smarter than them. He knows what's in their minds and in their hearts, and he goes off to a lonely place. And while he's there, everyone says, I guess it's nap time. They go to sleep. It's the evening, except for the apostles, the ones that he called, right, leave father, mother, son, job, whatever, and follow me. They look around for Jesus and say, where did he go? He's gone. I left everything to follow this guy, and now he's gone. What should I do now? Just go home, I guess. So he, they, they do. They go home. They get into a boat, and they travel from that spot on the Sea of Galilee back to Capernaum. Jesus sees them rocking with the waves and the wind, and he walks across the sea to them and arrives with them in Capernaum. Meanwhile, all of the fat and hungry folks who had had their fill of bread wake up. And they say, hold on, what? where did that boat go? Where is this free bread guy? And they start sending word out everywhere, searching for him. Is he over there in the Decapolis? No, is, is he o-? They eventually find out through word he's in Capernaum. And they travel by foot the same path that the disciples and Jesus had taken over water. They get to Capernaum. With an agenda, right? We know they have an agenda. They, want, they had the free bread. They want some more free bread. So they come into the synagogue at Capernaum. They encounter Jesus and say, Oh, Lord, oh, when did you get here? Funny meeting you here. I think their exact word, if I can find it, is... <laughs> Not that one. Anyways, they go there, right? And Jesus says, Amen, amen, I say to you, You are not looking for me because you saw signs and believed. You're looking for me because you had your fill of bread. He sees through them. He calls them out. You're looking for me because you just want a little bit more free food. And as he says this, they sort of push back a little bit and say, What can we do to accomplish the works of God? You'd like us to to do a little bit more? Well, what can we do? He said, this is the work of God. You want to do what's right? Believe in the one God sent. And they said, great idea. We would love to believe in the one he sent, except the way we're going to believe is to make sure that, you know, the, the guy is authentic, that he's genuine, that he's the real deal. Could you do a sign for us so that we can know and believe? Pause. Interjection. The group of 5,000 men who just had free bread given to them are now saying, can you give us a sign? We understand why that's ironic, right? They just witnessed a sign, and now they're saying, give us a sign. And then they said, what sign can you do? I have an idea. Um, Our ancestors ate free bread in the desert. Um, It's written in the book. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Maybe if you did that, then maybe we could, I don't know, believe in you or something. And Jesus pushes back on them, pushes back on them, and says, no, no. It was not Moses who gave them bread from heaven. My Father gives you the true bread from heaven. And the bread of God is that which comes down and gives life to the world. And they said, yes, that's what we want. We want the bread that gives life to the world. Give us that always. And he said, you got it. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. And this is where we enter into our gospel passage today. Now see where this goes. See it from two different perspectives. The perspective of the crowd who really just wants a little bit of free food. It's not that much to ask, is it? And then the perspective of Jesus, who comes with a mission that is so much more valuable than free food. He doesn't want people to be satisfied only in their hunger. He wants them to be reunited with God. What he's revealing in these little statements is like the... the, The one thing he has come to bring, the climax, the culmination of his whole life, and he's opening his heart to them saying, this is about to be the most important thing you ever hear. Are you ready for it? And they start to murmur, how can he say, I'm the bread that came down from heaven? And he said, stop that. Get that doubt right out of your heart. Get it out. It's not helping you with anything. Everyone who listens to my father and learns from him comes to me. He says, I am the bread of life. Oh, your ancestors ate manna in the desert? That's cute. Where are they? They Follow you here? No? No, that's right. They're dead. They're not here because even that miraculous bread could not sustain them forever. They corrupted. They perished. The bread that I will give you is so much different than that. You can eat it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. And that's the end of our gospel. A a revelation, a little something new. Now I told you I was going to tell you the story and then leave you with one thing, right? Here's your one thing my recommendation to you, based on what we know of this story right now, is to not fall into the trap of the hungry crowd. Jesus warned them not to work for food that perishes. They desired something, which was good. They desired a little free food. And we might say, they might say, that's not that much to ask, is it? And God responds, no, It's not that much to ask. As a matter of fact, it's too little to ask. You should ask for so much more. You should ask for so much more. Because you were made for so much more. You want a little bit of bread? Do you prefer a crust or a middle piece? Who cares? Your desires are not too great. They're too small. You should want more than satisfaction in this life. Think about that, that uh, question, you know, that, that myth of, of like getting a genie and getting three free wishes and any wish you want. Think about what your wishes would be. Seriously, think of, what would you wish for. If it's anything less than life forever with God, then it's not enough. It's not enough. Do you want, uh, you know what, I think I want a new pickup truck. Too small. Do you know what, I go a little bigger. I want to solve world hunger. Not enough. Each of these things are, are means to an end. They're steps to a greater destiny that you were made for. Christ came to this earth with you in mind, and his desire is to restore you to love, to love of the Father. And so he accomplishes that. Then... And now, by the same mission, giving bread from heaven, bread which is His flesh, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Now you may be sitting out there right now. I don't know. You know, it's hard to read through a mask sometimes. You say, Father, you're waxing a little eloquent here. Eight thirty-one. Let's pick it up. I got donuts to get. Can I be human with you for a second? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. This is the most important thing that will ever happen to you in your life. You are about to receive God in your mouth, and when you receive him, you will become him. By eating God, you fulfill this destiny to be restored to relationship with him, put back into covenant, made a part of his family. And there's nothing, there's nothing more important than that. In John chapter 6, and indeed in this whole story, we learn of God's plan for us. This plan is not something small. It's something big. So today, your one little takeaway is fan that into flame. Desire more. Let your hearts burn with a longing for what God has for you. And you will not be disappointed. Amen.